If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's turn to two openings. Let's go to uh, 1 Samuel, the second chapter, and then Romans, the 13th chapter. 1 Samuel, chapter 2, and Romans 13. Are you believing with me this morning? I, you know, utterance is not all up to the preacher. It's greatly affected by the hearer. And so let's, let's believe God together. And, uh, and hear, not from me, hear from Him. And let's, uh, let's get some answers and direction. You know, we, we ought never have a service that was for nothing. Uh, every time we ought to come away with more. And be changed. And uh, be increased and blessed. We, for some weeks, have been on the subject of a a series we're calling Honor to Whom Honor. And our main texts are here in these two openings. 1 Samuel 2, we see that Eli and his sons were the priests, the ministers in the house of God. But his sons in particular, the Bible said they were sons of Belial. They were evil people, and yet they're preachers. And they, uh, they were having affairs and they were maltreating and abusing the people and they were stealing the offerings. And, and the Lord warned him to do something about his, his boys. And he didn't do anything and now judgment has come. And in 1 Samuel 2 and uh, what is it, verse 29, he told him, he said, you have honored your sons above me. Now, we ought to love our family, but we ought not love them more than God. You know, uh, you should not put your spouse above the Lord, and you should not put your children above the Lord or your grandchildren. True? And people say, well, you know, my family comes first. Well, then God does not. There's only one first place. And uh, he he said, you've honored your sons above me. And now judgment's coming on all of them. You know, uh, his two boys uh, were both killed not many days after this and died young in the prime of their life, cut off. And people, sometimes they don't understand. uh, What if he'd have done what he should have done? You know, if if he'd have called them in and said, boys, what is this I hear? This cannot be. I hear of anything like this again, you are out. I'm pulling you. You will not be here. And if he had heard anything like that, what should he have done? Pulled him right out. People might say, oh, that's hard. These are your own sons. But daddy, but daddy, that's hard. You're so hard. No, what's hard is losing both of your boys in one day. Cut off in the prime of their life. You see what we're talking about here? See, parents nowadays are entirely too soft. On things. And well, because I love them too much. No, you don't love them enough to deal with them not liking you for a little while while you do what needs to be done. I'm not talking about being abusive and hurting and harming. I'm just talking about standing up for what's right and not compromising and keeping your word. When you say you're going to do something, do what you said you're going to do. Right? And not changing. And the Bible said, Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And not to despise the chastening of the Lord. So no, uh, uh, people tell me, well, you know, they're just hard. They're just hard. No, love will do 
what will help you and spare you from running off the cliff down the road, even if it makes you mad at me right now. And if you love them enough, then you'll deal with the repercussions and all the feelings and them not, you know, being happy with you. For You'll deal with that because you love them more than how you feel. So he didn't do it. And he let it go. And that's gone too far. And the Lord said, you've honored your sons above me. And in verse 30, the Lord, he said, wherefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me. As he said, it's not going to be that way. So have they lost something precious that was given to their family? This was supposed to belong to them, to Eli and to his sons and then to their sons and then to their generation after generation. It was supposed to stay with the family. And the Lord said, I told you it would. But he said, now it's not going to be, be it far from me. No. Why? Because those who honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Have they despised him? So then they're being lightly esteemed now. Say that out loud with me. Them that honor me, I will honor. Say that part again. Them that honor me, I will honor. Again, them that honor me, I will honor. Now the last part's just as true as that part. They that despise me, what'll happen to them? They'll be lightly esteemed. Now, despise is obviously the exact opposite of honor. And then lightly esteemed is a definition of despise. There's a wealth of understanding right here in these two phrases. And uh, basically the Lord is saying, ever how you treat me is how I'm going to treat you. You honor me and my things you respect and esteem and value me and my things, I'm going to treat your things as valuable and important. But if you despise me, now despise in our modern usage, we think of uh, uh, detesting something. But really, it's much broader than that. We've already discussed this. To despise can be as simple as ignoring To just act like it's not even there. Ignoring. That is one level of despising. And we covered a lot of ground. Going all the way to the point. Where you're slandering it. And calling it names. That's also despising. But there's a lot in between. And if we honor him. He will honor us. We treat his things. As precious. And priority. And important, he's going to treat our things that way. True or not? Well, what if you don't have time for his things? (laughs) We don't like to think that. We don't like to say that kind of thing. What if you treat his things like they're unimportant and don't matter and are insignificant? Whether they stay or whether they go, whether they make it, whether they don't, no no big deal. That's how he's going to treat your things. We saw that the individuals that came with their captain of 50 to the man of God and spoke disrespectfully and said, oh, you man of God, get down here. And he said, if I'm a man of God, let fire God come down 
and consumed them. Well, these are 51 men's lives. They got families. They got friends. They got histories. They might have thought they had futures. 51 men's lives. And then another bunch came, and that 51 was consumed too. 102 men gone. In the prime of their life. Well, they're treating God's man, his ministries, his things, trivially, insultingly. And so their lives were treated as unimportant. Not necessary to remain. Just wipe them away. And the third guy came. (laughs) Fell down. (laughs) It's an old man of God. I know about the other bunch (laughs) and the bunch before them. He said, would you let my life and the lives of my men be precious in your sight, O man of God? And the Lord did. And they all lived. They all got out of that. (laughs) Made it through. Is it true that ever how you treat him and his things is how you're going to be treated? Well, what if we learn to treat him with more respect? And more honor. One, he, he honors us by, you know, if other people are, are losing their stuff and they're not being able to pay their bills. But God is blessing you. You're not just paying your bills. You're paying everything off. Other people are going broke and you're getting into the best shape of your life. That's him honoring you. Other people losing their kids, losing their people prematurely to accidents and uh, disease and this and God's healing your babies and protecting you and keeping you that's him honoring you isn't it one of the greatest ways he honors us is with his presence by being with us and manifesting himself around us you know his presence is what makes heaven 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 does not even need a sun or a moon for light because the lamb is The light. The atmosphere of heaven is the presence, the glory emanating out of God. That's the atmosphere. That's the environment. It's what makes heaven, heaven. And the great news is you can have some of that in your house. You can have some heaven in your house. It's the truth. Can we initiate a greater manifestation of the presence of God in our midst and in our doing? Well, can we honor him more? Well, then what would he do in response to us honoring him more? He's going to honor us more. What if we honored him a lot more? He'd honor us a lot more. What if we came up to a whole other level of honoring him? Well, then we would experience, he would treat our things as more important and he would help us and redeem our time and, and be able to protect us more and increase us more. Can you see this? This is so vitally important. In Romans the 13th chapter Romans 13 and 7 it says render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due custom to whom custom fear to whom fear honor to whom honor. The God's Word translation of this says, pay everyone whatever you owe them. Everybody read that out loud. Pay everyone whatever 
you owe them. Let's read it again real slow. Pay everyone whatever you owe. If you owe them, what do you do? Hmm? Try to talk to them. Try to get them down. <laughs> what the Bible say? Try to figure out how to get out of it. Huh? Pay them. If you owe taxes, hire lawyers. <laughs> if you owe tolls, dodge them. <laughs> now somebody tell me those two words. Pay them. Pay them. Say it again. The Bible says, pay them. <laughs> he goes on to say, if you owe respect, Respect that person. We use the term pay your respects. That's a correct term. If you owe someone honor, honor that person. He refers to paying respect, paying honor, just like if you owe taxes or owe a bill, pay that. Now that's a different mentality than many people have. People have the idea, well, you know, I don't know if they've merited my respect or not. If the Lord says you owe them respect, you owe them respect. Pay that honor. Pay that respect. You do it through your actions, through your words. Now we talked about this uh, more, more than one occasion, but it'll bear some repetition. If you owe somebody, what should you do? Pay them. Pay them. See, so many times Christians included, some of the worst, they spend a lot of their time and effort trying to figure out how to get out of stuff. A lot of their praying and they're confessing, trying to get out of it. Oh, Lord, just cause something to happen so I don't have to pay it. So, Well, the Bible said pay it. <laughs> so why are you trying to believe contrary to the scripture? <laughs> you should be using your faith to believe for plenty to come in so you can pay it. Instead of trying to get out of it. Well, they just didn't do this and the work was shoddy and, and they didn't do everything that they said they would do and and da 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 Well, maybe you missed God. By hiring them, by getting involved with them, by going to their place, by choosing their company. Maybe if you'd have prayed more, you'd have been better led. You'd have gone a different direction. But no, you didn't. So here you are. So now what's it time to do? Pay up. Because <laughs> the Bible said so. So just believe God. And if you don't have it, Claim it. If you don't have so sow for it. Sow a seed. Get it. Isn't this a different way of operating? Instead of fussing and, and suing and trying to get out and trying. No, no, the Bible didn't say do all that. He said pay it. You owe it. Pay it. And then, you know, be smarter next time. Pray more. Be better led. Do what the scripture said. Well, pay the respect you owe. Pay the honor you owe. We went into some detail looking at where disrespect and dishonor began, where it originated. And we saw it didn't originate with God. It didn't originate in, in God's uh, creation in the beginning with Adam and Eve. But when the devil came on the scene, we saw the dishonor. We saw the, the questioning and the contradicting. And then the Lord gave us five eyes of disrespect. Anybody remember what those are? What was the first one? Ignoring. What's the second one? Interrupting. The third one? Intruding. What was the fourth one? Interfering. The fifth one? 
insulting. Now this is not, you know, uh, exhaustive study of any way to be disrespectful. But you can see just with these things, you can get the spirit of it, can't you? The way it sounds and the way it responds and, and acts. Do you want to get every vestige of this devilish stuff out of you and out of your thinking and your life? How many desire with your heart? You want disrespect out of you, out of you, out of your family. And do you want the Lord to show you every area where it's not right? Are you willing to make those changes? Well, it's already begun. And I believe we've already made progress. And, and we'll make a lot more in the coming days. We're coming up. You know, even uh, after the Lord is directing us to be on another series, that doesn't mean this is over. The incorruptible seed of the Word of God never changes, never never quits, never ends. It'll be, it should be in you and me working next year and the next year and the ne- just getting stronger in us, just getting bigger in us. We don't just quit and forget that. No, everything remains, stays in us that the Lord has put in us. And we, it, one is just built upon another and we should just come up, 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 up. Now, uh, go with me, if you would, to Malachi, please. Something that is, uh, uh, we, we've been working to, to get to this place, believing to get to the place where we're starting into now. You might remember, in the beginning of the series, we, we spoke and prophesied, actually, that uh, it was promotion time. You remember that? Promotion time. And this is, this is uh, all part of this. And uh, the Lord would promote us. That's another way of saying honor us. But uh, those that honor him are the ones that get honored, get promoted. Those that despise him don't get promoted. Uh, They lose. They don't go up and they don't just stay where they are. They go down. They go backwards. And here is a, a spiritual principle. If you despise it, you lose it. Everybody understand? If you despise it, you lose it. Eli and his family, did they have something holy from the Lord? Did they have a precious thing, their family being the priest of the Lord and leaders in the things of God? Did they lose it? They lost it. The Lord said, I had said that this was to stay with you throughout your generations. But now he said, be it far from me. Because those that honor me are the ones I'm going to honor. How could he continue to use them and honor them and them despising him like they were? How could he do that? It's not right. It's not just. They had uh, become a person unworthy of such an honor. Uh, You remember God chose Saul. And set him in the place over the people. But the Bible said God removed Saul. And he raised up David in his place. And did you see how it happened? Saul, though he was humble in many ways when he first uh, started. You know when they told him he was king, he went and hid. He was embarrassed. And they had to go find him. And drag him out and make him king. But he got over that. And got the big head. He did. And uh, the man of God was trying to correct him one time. And he got in the man of God's face and, and said some things. And the man of God was just going to turn and leave. He grabbed his clothes. You remember that? And tore his clothes. And when he did, the, the prophet turned around and said, And God has torn the kingdom out of your hand. 
he tore his clothes and he said, God's torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to somebody better than you. And it happened. Did Saul and his family lose what God had given them? Why? Disrespect. They came to take it for granted and, and treat it as nothing. Esau, remember, lost his birthright, didn't he? Why? He said, what good is this birthright? What I mean, I'm starving to death. Give me some food. Yeah, I'll trade it for a bowl of soup. No big deal. And he lost it. And later on, he decided he wanted it, and he couldn't get it. It was too late. So if you despise it, you lose it. This is, this is true with every good thing in our life. Oh, but if you honor it, and you treasure it, and you do what you should with it, you not only get to keep it, you qualify for more, bigger, greater, further. Are you interested, saints? In Malachi, the first chapter. Now, there's a lot about that, this subject, in Malachi. And if you're interested, I would encourage you to read these four chapters of Malachi. It wouldn't take long. But before you do, say, Lord, open my eyes to teach me the things about honor and dishonor in this book. And then read it by faith, in faith, looking for those things. I'm telling you, you'll be enriched. Malachi 1. Are you there? Everybody there? Malachi 1. He said this. Let's see about verse 6. He said a son honors his father. And a servant. In other words a servant honors his master. If I. If then I be a father. Where is my honor? Who's talking? God. What's he asking? Where's my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Uh, the word fear includes the idea of reverence and also awe. Where is my A-W-E? Where is my reverence? Where is my awe? Isn't it sad that God would have to ask, where's my respect? Where's my honor? And yet look who he's asking this. Says the Lord of hosts. Unto you O priests. These are the preachers. And he's asking them. Where's my respect? Where's my honor? He said natural fathers. Their sons are honoring. Natural masters. Their servants are honoring. If I'm a father. Is he a father? He's the father. He said, where's my honor? If I'm a a master, is he a master? The master of everything. Where's my reverence? Where's my fear? Where's my awe? O priest that despise my name. And here's their response. Wherein have we despised your name? What do you mean? Well, see, that alone would tell you what God said is true. Answering God like that. God tells you. Where's my respect Keith? Where's my reverence and fear? It's time for Keith to hit the floor. Put his nose in the carpet. And say oh God. Forgive me. If I have to understand it. And have to have, he has to explain it to me. To my satisfaction. Before I'll consider if he's right or not. 
What arrogance. He's right. Whether you got a clue or not. He's right. And if he says this is happening, you don't go, ha, huh. I don't, I don't see that. You don't have to see it. You know, Peter missed it and the disciples missed it. When the Lord told them, he said, uh, this night, every one of you is going to forsake me. Peter said, uh-uh, I'm not. Everybody else may, but I won't. And the other said, no, we won't either. No way, no how. Peter said, I'd die with you. Well, did he? No. He denied he knew the Lord. Stood out there and said all that stuff. What was it time to do when the Lord says, all of you going to forsake me tonight? What's it time to do? What's it time to do? Go, oh God, what do we need to do? Hmm? What? We don't want to do that. If he tells you something, don't argue with him. Don't question it. Receive it. Show him the honor. How many know honor is due to God? And reverence, you owe it to him, don't you? He gives you your next breath. Go ahead and take it. You like that? You want some more? You better, you better acknowledge who's giving it to you. You know why you can sit up there and keep your eyes open and have a clue what's going on? God is the light of your life. He's the brightness of your mind. Every good thing that every good thing that you enjoy comes from His hand. I know a lot of people don't believe that, but they're wrong. No, we exist for His pleasure. We are created, aren't we? It's the fool who said in his heart, "There is no God." Not, we don't have a bunch of fools in here, do we? No. no. Do you know God is real? Yes. Do you show Him respect for giving you life and yes. giving you breath? And are you thankful for every good thing that you enjoy? Yes. Well, here He's telling even His priests. He says, "What? You're despising me." And they said, "Where? When did we despise you?" Keep reading. Verse seven: You offer polluted bread on my altar. The first thing He talk, starts talking to them about is their offerings. Now, I know that people have been all over the spectrum with offerings and giving. There are preachers just as crooked as can be and have said all kind of stuff just designed to get money out of your pocket into theirs. I know that. But there's other people just as crooked in other professions all over the place. It doesn't mean that just because you find one bad doctor that all doctors are bad or one bad mechanic that all mechanics are bad or that one messed up preacher that all preachers are the same. Hmm? No. But the Bible has much to say about offerings and it is a big and vital part of our lives. People don't like it when you talk about it a lot of times because they're not giving. That's why they don't like it. The people that are tithers and givers, they go, yay, say it again. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So don't get too quiet. (laughs) Or you tell off on yourself. But it's just a fact 
that if you love God and God has the right place in your heart, it will be shown, among other things, in your finances, in your giving. It will be shown. And they said, where did we despise you? Why are you saying, where's my honor and where's my respect? He said, how about those offerings? They said, huh? He said, what about those offerings? He said, you offer polluted bread on my altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted you? And you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And you offer the blind for sacrifice. Is it not evil? And you offer the lame and the sick. Is it not evil? Offer it now to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? See if he wants it. (laughs) Or accept your person, says the Lord of hosts. They were offering cheap, junk offerings. These were animals that weren't fit for breeding stock. They weren't prime for market. They were animals that were sick and dying. You're going to lose them anyway and messed up and deformed. And that's what they were given to the Lord was the leftover junk. The cheap, worthless stuff. Hold your place here and look in the third chapter. The third chapter in the 13th verse. He said, your words have been stout against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against thee? See, still smart mouth. Still back talking. What? What do you mean? And you know, a lot of times when people say that, they're being dishonest. Because they know some things. And you act like, what? What did we do? <laughs> Liar? You know what you did. Fess up. Be honest. People look at you like clueless, like, huh? What? Did I do something? That's devilish. When you know what you did. Playing dumb games. And so they said, what? What did we do? Verse 14. He said, you have said. How many know God hears everything you say? (laughs) You said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it? That we have kept his ordinance. What good does it do? That's why they had gotten to the place where they were giving like that. They thought, what good? It don't do any good. It's gone anyway. We're just going to take it out there and burn it up. So, it's just for the church. I mean, it's not like it's important, like business or home or family. I mean, it's just, just the church. Just the church. God's angry with them. Can you see this? He's, he's upset with them. Go back to the, the second chapter. Well, back up to the first chapter, excuse me. Chapter 1, verse 10. He said, Who is there even among you that would shut the doors? Neither do you kindle uh, fire on my altar for nothing. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. Verse 13. You have said, Behold, what a weariness is it. And you have snuffed at it, says the Lord of hosts. 
and you brought that which is torn and the lame and the sick. And thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand? Says the Lord. But cursed be the deceiver which has in his flock a male and voweth and sacrifice to the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. How many know our great God ought to have a good offering? He ought to have a good church. He ought to have good stuff. If anything on the planet ought to have the top-notch stuff, it ought to be the kingdom of God stuff. Because there's nothing more important going on. Nothing. Everything else that is going on is temporary. Everything. Do you understand? Thank God for this country. And I am so thankful to be American and the freedoms that I enjoy. And I'm patriotic. But in just a few days, there will be no more U.S. of A. No more any other country. The time's coming and soon approaching where none of this will exist. Only the kingdom of God will exist. And only that which was done in the kingdom will matter and remain and exist. Yes, I think we ought to spend the money and do the things for our country and our nation and our military and our government and do it right. But that is not more important than the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is more important than that. And thing after thing is that way. And that's true. That should be true with every one of us personally. Shouldn't it? That number one is the kingdom. And kingdom things. And he said, cursed be the person that could give a fine specimen of an offering. And they don't. They've got it. They could. But they turn around and give the sick and the broke and the weak and the junk. Now this is the thing, this is particularly the thing that a lot of people don't like to hear about and don't like to talk about. But you will acknowledge that I did not write these verses. And the offering has already been received. (laughs) We're just talking about the Bible. And we're talking about you. And this is not. A some kind of crafty way to try to talk you into giving more to this church. It's not. If you don't know my heart, then you just don't know me. But I'm telling you, that's not the case. We're talking about you and God and the Word. And uh, I know that I learned something a few years ago. I was out uh, in a meeting and, and a lady came up to me, an older lady. And she said, uh, oh, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, I just wanted to thank you. You have sent materials to me, I think she said, for 15 years or something. She said, hey, you've never charged me uh, one dime for this stuff, you know, and partner letters. And, and I needed them, and they helped me, and they fed me, and, and I got answers. She said, I never gave you one dime in all this time. And, and I said, oh, that's okay, that's okay. And I walked away, and the Lord spoke to my heart as I'm walking away. He said, that is not okay. Now, she's older and by her own admission on a fixed income and this and that. And I'm thinking, well, I'm just glad that we can be a blessing. He said, that is not okay. And he brought to my mind, he said, who could not send a nickel a month and be a partner or a dollar? So there's no excuse for doing nothing. Are you with me, friends? Remember the widow that came with her two mites? That's all she had to her name. Now, a lot of people would have said, oh, no, honey, you keep those and we'll give you something. No, she gave it all and Jesus shouted about her giving it all and told everybody how good it was, didn't he? 
Some way or other people got the idea if you don't have much, then you shouldn't give. No. Everybody can put God first. Can't you? Now get this. This is me. This is you. He said, if you've got a good animal and you could do that and you give this junk, he said, you're cursed. Didn't he? I mean, if you could give a thousand and you give two dollars, that's not okay. I'm not talking about you giving in this church. I'm talking about you giving to God. It's not okay. Now you can make it up in your mind and you can explain it away and you can rationalize and reason it out, but it's just not okay. And in a few days, you're going to be standing in front of the Lord. Hmm? And your kinfolks won't be there and around you and I won't be there and you can't blame anything on me and it'll just be you. You and him. And you'll have to give an account to him. Just you and him. What you did and what you didn't do. And you can't tell him what you couldn't do if he knows what you could do. You can't con him and you can't say, well, yeah, but none of it's going to wash. Friends, let's live today so that we have no regrets tomorrow. Let's live in such a way that we honor God with our substance and the first fruits of our increase. And we do what we can do while we can do it. The time is short. Opportunities are precious. I'm not talking about impoverishing yourself and missing God. You can also miss God giving. You can give to people you shouldn't have given to. You can give too much on things that the Lord didn't tell you to do. But it's real simple. When the Lord puts something on your heart, don't play with it. Don't nickel and dime it. Do it. Do what you can do. Step up and do it and honor God. This ain't about men. This ain't about church. God. Honor God. Honor Him. And even though you might might not have that much ability, if you do the best you can do, God will accept it just as much as a man that did billions. He will. Because He won't hold you accountable for what you didn't have. And if you honor him, help me out. If you honor him, he's going to honor you. He's going to honor you. Somebody say glory to God. Go with me, if you would, to uh, Luke, the 16th chapter. Hold your place in Malachi. If you already lost it, it, it's it's not going anywhere. It'll It'll still be right there. But uh, Luke, do you believe we're making progress? I do. Luke 16, Jesus said, verse 10, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Whatever you're doing with your $200 is exactly what you would do with $200 million. People don't like to think so. They think, well, no, no. Now, if I had a lot of money, I'd do this. No, you'd do exactly what you're doing, what you got now, Jesus says. And I believe him. Hmm? If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true 
riches. Everybody say true riches. Say it again, true riches. If you've been faithful with lesser things, it qualifies you to handle greater things. Now this is what the Lord's been working in us to bring us to. I'm telling you it's promotion time. For those that qualify and those that are willing to qualify. It's promotion time. God would bless us. He would honor us. He would allow us to handle some holy things. To be a participant in some very precious, powerful things. But not everybody qualifies. Back to Malachi. You interested in qualifying? We have experienced some good things. Just in our few years here as a church together. We've experienced some good things. And the Lord's blessed us. Miracles. Increase. Great things. Oh, but you know. We just have touched the tip of the iceberg, haven't we? I mean, you you know. God is, is so vast and so big and there's so, so, so much more. But it's not just all up to him and we're not just waiting on him. He said he would honor us in, in response to what? How we honor him. In uh, Malachi, and, and you can see this whole little book, these four chapters are dealing with this same subject over and over in different ways. But in verse five, uh, verse 5, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 5, he was talking about Levi. Now, you remember previously, he was reproving the priests because they had been despising him and not honoring and respecting him. And here he refers to their forefather, Levi, the beginning of the priesthood and the ministry. And he says, my covenant was with him, Levi, of life and peace, and I gave it I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Is he telling them that they have fallen from where their forefather began? Is he telling them what was valuable and precious to him and how they need to get back to this? But did you hear that phrase? The Holman translation of verse 5 says it like this. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave these to him. It called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. Today's English version says, In my covenant I promised them life and well-being, and this is what I gave them, so that they might respect me, and in those days they did respect and fear me. Everybody said out loud, in those days, days, they did respect respect and fear God. God. God's word translation says it like this, said, uh, he respected me and stood in awe of my name. 
And he said his covenant and the things that he gave Levi, he gave it to him and to them for the fear and respect that they had. Now why out of all the millions of people, why did God pick Moses and Aaron instead of any other of millions? Why them? Why did he pick Levi instead of any one of millions? Why him? Here we hear from the Lord. The Lord said, I gave it to him. For why? Because and for the reverence and the awe that he had for me and for my name. Oh, can you see this? Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What does that mean? He's not just calling people names. Pigs don't discern between holy and valuable and worthless. Dogs, I know maybe you think your dog is saved, but I assure you, he or she does not know the difference between the Bible and a magazine or a newspaper. Right? They don't. And a pig, you give the, try to give a pig a, a huge expensive pearl, he don't know the difference between that and a pebble. And he stomp at one in the dirt just the same as the other. And if you lose the pearl in the mud out in the hog pen, it's because you're dumb. You should not have given that pearl to that pig. Well, why don't that pig appreciate that pearl? Because he's a pig. <laughs> he has no discernment. But he's not just talking about dogs and pigs. He's talking about people. And there's a whole lot of people they do not value the things of God. And so they don't qualify. They don't value the word of the Lord. They don't value the church. They don't value the people of God. That's why they never come. That's why they never put a dollar in anything. They don't pray. They don't read their Bible. They don't care. They got more important things to take care of. Their job, their house, their garden, their hobbies, their stuff. That's what's important to them. Hmm? And if so, then them not esteeming and treating God's stuff is important. To God, their stuff is not important. And they're not going to get much help or much protection. Are you with me? I know people don't like to hear it, but are we talking about the Bible or not? Are the scriptures here? Are the principles here? They are. The way you qualify to handle The holy. That's the phrase I believe the Lord gave me. Handling the holy. Is that you begin to have some realization. Of what you're touching. And what you're handling. And who you're talking to. Who he is. What he is. Did you hear the Lord just a few moments ago there? He said I am a great king. Is he? It's got to be frustrating, you know, from his perspective. People running around here, acting like they're doing everything themselves, and not realizing he made the planet you're standing on. He gives you your next breath. He loves you. 
He's never done anything but good for you. He's never lied to you. He's never been against you. And yet people don't give him the time of day. Hadn't got time to do anything for him or with him. And so they don't qualify. They don't qualify. He said, I gave those things to Levi and his, his sons after him for the fear and reverence and awe that he had for me. And the other translation says, in those days, they did fear me. He's telling these guys that are offering these junk offerings and doing that. He, he said, I wish somebody just closed the doors. God said that. He said, just close the doors. Am I, am I going to receive these kind of offerings for you? He said, I'm not going to receive them. He said, give them to your governor. See if he likes them. See if he wants sick, diseased animals. And he basically said, I don't want them either. People have played church. They've acted like God's not even there. Like he doesn't even know what they're doing and what they're not doing. That's not us. I said, that's not us. Do you acknowledge that your God is a great, 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 great. Somebody say great, great. Our God is a great. He's the great God. He's the greatest. He ought to be reverenced and respected. His things. His people, His Spirit, His Word. I know, uh, oh, what was it, a year or so ago, I was out of town in a meeting. And I was uh, just thanking the Lord that we'd had a good service. And good things happened. And I was just thanking the Lord, thanking the Lord. And I began to think, you know, what would my life be like if I hadn't heard the Word those 35, whatever years ago of faith and begin to see some things. Phyllis and I, we are totally different people. We are, our lives are totally different lives than they would have been. And it's the word. The word has changed us. And it's continuing, making you into a different person. Totally. Totally different life. And uh, I, I was thinking, you know, we have been privileged to hear thousands of excellent, top quality messages on faith and righteousness and prosperity and healing and redemption and being led by the Spirit. And, and, I, and I realize there are people on the planet, many people on the planet, never heard even one good faith message. And I was thinking, Lord, why have we been privileged to not just hear one or two, but so much when others haven't even heard one and you, you would think, well, that's not right. That don't seem fair. But God's fair. Amen. He is. And he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice. But inside me, he spoke to my heart. He said, son, I knew you would value it. <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> he said, son, I knew you would va- value what? That word. You would value it. Now, what if the first messages we had heard, we thought, ah, no big deal there. So I ain't got time for that. Would we have heard the next and the next? And would the one and two messages have turned into the thousands and the 30 years and different life? No, no, it wouldn't. And the Lord reminded me that when Phyllis and I, one of the first things we got a hold of was being redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed you. 
from the curse of the law. And going back to Deuteronomy 28 and finding out what the curse of the law was. Glory to God. I mean, hadn't got over it yet. And, and we, we heard that and we got that. And, I, and, we, and our friends, we thought, man, you've got to hear this. You've got to get this. And so uh, we, we took some of these tapes to our friends and said, man, you know, listen to this. And so saw them the next day. Did you listen to it? No, not yet. Well, first when we gave it to them, they said, what is this, a new, a new music tape? We said, no, it's preaching. Preaching? You expect me to listen to preaching on a tape? Yeah, it's total, totally foreign concept to them. So, yeah, yeah, but man, this is good. You've got to hear this. And two or three days later, they hadn't listened to it. Finally, I was a week or two, and said, did you listen to it? And they said, yeah, I listened to part of it. Part of it? What about it? I thought, well, I don't really know if I understood what he's talking about. I mean, uh, and they quote some goofy thing. Well, you just never know, you know, what God's going to do. And, and, uh, and, and you're thinking, huh? And, of course, they didn't want it anymore. They didn't want to hear it anymore. They didn't value it, so they didn't qualify for anymore. They didn't want anymore, and so they didn't get anymore, and so they didn't go any further. Can you hear this? Can you see this? Is it true that if you value it and you treasure it, you can get more? We did. We got more, and we got more, and we got more, and we got more. And we got more. And then God sent us to the place where they were teaching it. And then in a few years. Let me be part of the ones that was teaching it. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. And I get to minister to you. and Hallelujah. We just shout. and It just gets better and better. And we just keep getting more and more. And But if we ever stop respecting it. If we ever start taking it for granted. Not only will it stop increasing. But you can lose what you had. You won't just stay where you are. You'll begin to lose. And in, in Luke, if you'd turn there, please. Luke 19, please. Luke 19 and about verse 11. Jesus taught this, uh, this story and revealed it. It applies to him and it applies to us. And he reveals principles. God operates and how he does things. How he gives and dispenses. Luke 19 and 11. He said. uh, It said as they heard these things. Jesus said and spoke a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem. And because they thought the kingdom of God. Should immediately appear. He said therefore a certain nobleman. Went into a far country. to, To receive for himself a kingdom. And to return. And he called his ten servants. And delivered them ten pounds. And said to them, occupy till I come. Or some translations bring out trade. Uh, Look at the NIV on this, please. The NIV. Put this money to work, he said, till I come back. Put it to work. Somebody say, put it to work. work. Say again, put it to work. work. You know, uh, there'd be a lot of Christians that if they just pile up, pile up, pile up and don't use resources and then they, they leave and they go home to be with the Lord and then the government gets most of it and other people don't even care about serving God get the rest of it and blow it, they're going to regret that. I said they're going to regret that because they could have used that to advance the kingdom of God and their stuff. Somebody say put it to work. Put it to work. 
That means every resource you have, your strength, your opportunities, everything. Somebody say it again. Put it to work. Put it to work, he said, till I come back. Verse 14. But his subjects hated him. Sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to be our king. Did you know people have historically and repeatedly rejected God's choice? Didn't make any difference who he picked. Do you remember? Moses. Did they want him? Did they like him? No, they didn't like him. Not him. No, we don't want him. Not this man. They want someone. Well, who do you want? I don't know. It's just if God picked him, they didn't want him. Jesus himself, the Bible said he came unto his own. And what? They didn't want him. No, we don't want him. Verse 15. He was made king, however, and he returned home. How many know our king of kings is king and he is coming back? It don't make a difference if they hate him or if they don't. He's coming back. And whether they want him to be king or not, he is king. Hey. And he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. Now, you know, uh, something we need to see here. The Lord gave us a mind. And he expects us to think with it. You don't have to have everything written in the sky for you. You don't have to hear audible voices about everything. He puts something in your hand and he says, now go after it. He's expecting you to think and use and do everything you know. Believe him to be guiding you and leading you and showing you. But he doesn't just have to. He's not going to pick you up and make you do it. He expects you to take some initiative and show. Did he expect them to take? He gave them some stuff. Gave them some opportunity. Now he expects them to get with it. Well, then what do you want me to do? Well, I gave you a brain. There's a door. There's an opportunity. There's some stuff going on. What do you think you want to do? Go. Get with it. Not those people wait too much on him thinking he's going to make them do everything. He gave you the resources. He gave the opportunity. Now he's expecting you to take some initiative. Isn't he? And use the wisdom he gave you. Use the understanding he gave you. Use what he gave you. And when you get up to something you can't do, then you believe him to do that and help you to do what you don't know. But you don't just sit back and wait for him to do everything. He expects you to do something. Verse 16. The first one came, sir, your mina has earned ten more. Did he get up and get with it and did what he could do? And this thing has increased ten times what God gave him. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. You've been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. No, you didn't shout big enough on that. Why? This is exactly how it's going to happen in the future in the kingdom of heaven. It's exactly like this. God has given people charges and some of them may seem real small and real insignificant to some other people but I'm telling you after this life and when things are done if you took what he gave you and you did everything you could with it he's going to say you were faithful in a little I'm going to put you over this city. You're going to be over five cities. You're going to be over ten. Now did you know that heaven is not communist? It is not socialistic. We will not all live in the same color, same size mansion, side by side, all white with little columns in the front. 
Well, everybody will be equal in heaven. Uh Uh-uh. They won't. The Bible says we will differ in glory like the stars. Some stars are dim. Now, it's cool just to be a star. (laughs) Just being a star of any magnitude is very, very cool. But hey, if you could be a bright star, be a big star, be a bright burning star. And that is being determined right now here in this life as to what we do with what God gives us. Can you say glory to God? He said, you're faithful over this little minor. Now, I'm putting you over 10 cities, and that's not until the next election. (laughs) Or until you retire. Ain't no elections. Ain't no aging. There is no retiring. This is forever. (laughs) Who is that? That's John. I live in his city. In fact, he's got 20 cities. Yeah, Jesus gave them to him. There he is. They're nice. The people said, man, I don't care. If I could just make it in the gate. That's, I don't care. Well, you say that now. Eternity's a long time. <laughs> I'm telling you, you best do what you know how to do. Do what you can do with all your heart. Because, oh, we really do not have a clue how it'll pay off in time to come. Oh my, the rich things he has prepared for us. Keep reading what the the next one say. Second one came and sir, your miner has earned five more. He took it, did what he could with it. Did Did these guys value it? They had to value it to some degree because they put energy and effort into it. And what did the Lord tell him? He said, you take charge of five cities. He's shouting and happy too. You know, if he'd have worked just a little bit harder, he might have had six. I don't know. But anyway, he's blessed. But the next guy. Another one came and said, sir, here's your minor. Here's here's your money. I kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. Yeah. What did he do? What did he do? Jesus gave him this money, this opportunity, this ability. He gave it to him. What did he do? And his wife and his kids ever said, what, what are we going to do with that? Uh, bring me a cloth. Okay, let's wrap it up and you stick it right over there. That's fine. Just, yeah, anywhere is okay. Yeah, just stick it right there. You're not going to do anything with it? we just put it over there. Did he value what the Lord gave him? Did he esteem it? Did he? Certainly he's not treasuring it. And then he wants to make excuses. He knows he's in trouble. Because the other guy made ten with his. The other guy made five with his. Come time to him to tell what he made. He didn't make anything. And so now he wants to blame it on the Lord. 
He said, well, the thing is, I was scared of you. Because, you know, you hard. You, you actually expect stuff. <laughs> I mean, you, you expect people to produce. <laughs> didn't he say it? You take out what you didn't put in. And you reap what you didn't sow. He, did, did the Lord expect them to bring more than what he gave them? He did. Does he expect us to take what he gives us and turn it into more? Can you see why the devil fights prosperity so hard? It is central to the kingdom of God. God gives us seed of every kind and he expects us to take it and plant it and work it and confess over it and make it into more. He expects it. Why? Because he made us. He knows what's in us. He knows what we can do. He knows what we can produce. He knows it. Can you see why he had us camp on fruitfulness for, for weeks and weeks? That's what this is talking about. He said, but you, he said, you hard and I was scared and I, he must not have been too scared. He'd have tried to do something. No, see, he's making excuses. Now, whenever things done and he sees he should have been working and now he's trying to talk his way out of it and, and he's, he's, he's being the victim. He's, I just, you know, you're so intimidating and you just, <laughs> just scare me. And man, you expect people to produce stuff. You just accept no excuses. And the Lord said, well, I'm going to judge you by what just came out of your mouth. You knew, did you? That I'm a hard man and I take out what I didn't put in. I reap what I didn't. So I expect something to be produced. You said you knew it. Verse 23. Well, then why didn't you, I would say, at least put my money on deposit? It would do something with it. So when I came back, I could have at least collected a little interest. Got some, does the Lord expect us to produce? He does. He expects us to produce. I'm excited. God has given us something here. In, in you, in this church, in this ministry, we're, we're coming in the best shape of our life. We, we got uh, this facility, we got lands, we got stuff, and, and about everything, uh, most all the projects are done and finished. And just a few days, everything is totally paid and totally done. What are we going to do with ourselves? We, God's going to take us to another level. Is there a we? He's going to use us to, I don't think we just got a minor. I think we got a bunch of minors. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I believe that God, that God is looking and expecting us to produce. He's expecting, what is produce? Souls, people, families, people's lives changed, saved and restored and healed and delivered and, and blessed, free. It's happening. Can God take it to a whole nother level? Whole nother level. He said, uh, keep, keep reading. Why didn't you do that? And then those, uh, he said to those standing by, take his mana away. So they went and pulled it out of his hands. And they said, okay. What do you want us to do with it? Give it to the one that's got ten. 
Now, if you put all the, uh, uh, what was the next verse say, verse 25? Yeah, they, the crowd exclaimed, they said, but he's already got 10. <laughs> See, they're thinking, huh? You take the one away from the guy that's only got one and give it to the guy that's already got 10? That just don't seem fair now, does it? Do people shake their heads and go, yeah, you know, them that's got just keep getting more. And them that ain't got nothing, losing everything they got. And it's scriptural. <laughs> Why would you take the one away from the guy that's got only one and give it to the guy that's got ten? Because the way, reason the guy's got ten... It's because he knows what's to do with one. So take it away from the guy that's not going to do anything with it and give it to somebody that will. That's why the people that have and are doing are going to keep getting more and more and more and the people that don't care are going to lose what they got. Which one you want to be? Come on, help me out. Which one? (laughs) He already has ten. Verse 26, he replied, I tell you, to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. Can you see from what we've already looked at why that would be so? Why? He's talking about the one that has is the one who values what he has and who uses and does what he can with what he has And the reason you would do it is because you esteem it, because you value it. But the reason the person doesn't do anything with what they have is because they're like, what's the use? You know, my little little bit's not going to make any difference. That's beside the point. You need to do it in in, in, uh, honoring God and in faithfulness to Him. This This ain't all about what people need. Well, I don't know if they need me over there. Yeah, but if, if God told you to be there, you need to be there. Even if they don't want you around, you better follow around and go, hey, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I am available. Right? And let the Lord multiply what he's put in your hands. Let him increase what he's given you. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say glory to, glory to God? A second thing after that thing I asked the Lord, you know, why we had been privileged to hear so much. And the Lord spoke to my heart because I, I knew you'd value it. Uh, a, a day or so after that, he said to me further, he said, I also knew you'd do something with it. You'd do something with what I gave you. And, you know, that's what we've endeavored to do for these years now. Uh, I know when I first we first started in the ministry, the Lord dealt with me that we would need partners, and that was his plan, to join with us to help do what he's, the vision he's put in our heart to do and that the first thing I was to do Phyllis and I were to be good partners and so we we made some changes and we increased and we began to be diligent about being faithful and and then he said claim partners so we did what was that first number we claimed Phyllis you remember 25 we claimed 25 partners and that's where we were and then the number has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as you might imagine but then uh, one of the first partner letters that I wrote, I, 
I'm sitting there, you know, searching the Lord to see what to say. And I said, Lord, I don't want to ask for money. And I just, I'm not going to ask for money. I don't think I need to ask for money. You deal with people. But I want to give. I don't want to ask. And he spoke to my heart. He said, son, the most precious thing you have is the revelation of the word I give you. And that's when we started putting a message <laughs> in the partner letter and sending it because he said that's the most precious thing you have to give. And since we have given it, think about the word supply. And every, Has God multiplied the minor? Is it multiplying even more and more? And if we'll just keep treasuring it and sowing it and giving it. And the word, the word, if you hear a good word through me, I didn't create it. It just came through me. And if it bears witness with you, make it yours. Then it's yours. And you don't have to be a preacher to share it with somebody. Right? And it's a precious thing that you can get and just tell what it's done for you. And how it changed your life and helped you out. And then you're sowing the word. And then you'll be a word sender on a corporate level and a personal level. And do you believe that your minor will turn into three and four and five and ten and maybe a hundred and two hundred? And how about when you get to heaven? Oh, come on. How about when you stand up on your feet? How about when you get to heaven? Would you like to hear son and daughter? Well done. Well, you've been faithful over a few things on the earth. Now, be ruler. We're talking about eternal, permanent ruler over much. Glory to God. We laughed uh, a few months ago about Dave's world. <laughs> but you're liable to go through Dave's city here later on. <laughs> Mike City, Phyllis Town. Terra Town. Huh? Glory. Somebody say glory. Praise God. Lift up your hands. Let's begin to praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you for the privilege. Serving you. Being in your work. Being in your vineyard. Being in your ministry. Being in your church, having opportunity, having strength and opportunity and means. Something to do something with. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How thankful we should be and we are because you've given us much to work with. We are not without tools and resources. You've given us much in this place. We're not in the largest of cities. We're not in the largest of populations. But here, you've given us much resources to reach out and touch the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.